0: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast.
1: It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before
2: you get home. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets.
1: If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but
2: I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go!
3: Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back to your weekly installment of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe, the lucky editor of Olive, snappler of jammy Dodgers and Percy Pigs, and your host... This week, the team have been busy eating, drinking and travelling as ever for your benefit, dear listeners. If you're dreaming of eating simple grilled fish in a sun-kissed water side taverna, you certainly will be if you've been following us on Instagram at Olive Magazine. Well, travel editor Rhiannon is back from her latest trip and gives us a scoop on the Greek island of Issaca. Editorial assistant Ellie and digital intern Amanda have been having a big biscuit debate. This week they're chatting about our favourite ones and the weird ways we eat them, how they rate on dunkability and the conundrum of whether a Jaffa cake is a cake or indeed a biscuit. Plus, food director Janine and cookery writer Adam guide us through how to cook low and slow on your barbecue this summer and achieve those smoky American barbecue flavours. First up, here's Rhiannon and web editor Alex. Hello,
4: so it's Alex here, and I'm with Rhiannon, our travel editor. Um, now, we both get out and about quite a lot travelling, very lucky. Um, and Rhiannon, you've just got back from Ithaca, haven't you? Which looked amazing, and all those pictures you posted, um, and also the features you've put on the website. So can you just explain where, where it is for everybody and why you chose to go there in particular? Yeah.
0: Um, so Ithaca is your kind of quintessential Greek island. It's part of the Ionian group of islands just off Cephalonia. Um, and it ticked all the boxes I wanted it to, which was mainly looking for a classic Greek destination to feature in our September issue. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And I really wanted that kind of unspoilt Greek Idyl, where you're surrounded by tinkling goat bells, uh, you're <laughs> eating simple grilled fish in little rustic tavernas, um, you know, houses with little blue shutters, and just low-key and really rooted in Greece and. I suppose an antidote to your big could be anywhere a resort holiday yeah. it's hard um, to find
4: those places it's really bit, uh, hard to yeah. track
0: them down so you know that you're onto a good thing yeah. when you get somewhere like that um, and Ithaca classicists will recognise as a home of um, Odysseus in Homer's Odyssey oh. um, but it I think it's kept low key because of two reasons one is that it has no airport you have to fly into Kefalonia and get the boat across right. and the other thing is that all but one of its beaches are pebbly and the sand beach can only be reached by boat so those things have kept the masses away and left it as a bit of a dream um if you do want that kind of yeah. lovely unspoilt that greek sounds, vibe
4: sounds great so where did you did you stay did you stay in a little taverna or um
0: i stayed at somewhere called lavendis estate which i found through i escape which is one of my go-to websites for finding really lovely independently owned accommodation um that's The web address is i-escape.com, if you don't know it. Um, And Lavendis is run with really um, absolute care by a lovely Aussie-Greek couple, Sparrow and Marilyn Mal, uh, Raftopoulos, plus their grown-up children, Kate and Nico. Um, And it's a collection of four cottages, plus a stunning swimming pool looking out across a bay, all set on Sparrow's uh, family homestead. And they have um, they built up the estate over about 30 years and it's run really like clockwork, but it's homely too. They make their own natural skincare products that all smell amazing. And the cottages' kitchens come stocked with delicious Greek wine, olives, pistachios, which I think they're, they're definitely the olives they grow themselves um, peach juice homemade jams local thyme honey oh. um, own recipe muesli I um, saw some pictures
4: of that. <laughs> it looks so good <laughs> it's
0: really nice um, food is a real focus there and Kate the daughter is a nutritionist but the family have always grown their own veg and they you know tomatoes cucumbers courgettes in the mm-hmm. summer um, and also this thing called Vlita which I hadn't really come across before no, It's um, anyone Jamaican will know it as Callaloo um, oh
4: Callaloo um,
0: okay. y- yeah you might have had it because you've been to Jamaica, haven't you yes. but it's a um a leafy green vegetable that they serve either boiled or sauteed with olive oil, garlic, and lemon um which I preferred <laughs> um And and in winter they have, they grow a lot more actually, lettuces, cauliflowers, cabbages, chard, kale, spinach, beans, pumpkins, all sorts of things. Is that all on the property? That's all there in the kitchen garden and if they've got enough they'll sell it to guests very reasonably. Oh great. Um, So that's really nice Um, and you can also order locally cooked, chef cooked ready meals, Um, things like platters of meats and kebabs from the local butcher which are great um so so
4: sorry can you can you um cook those yourself yes they have a kind of barbecue area so you can
0: order them to then go down and um cook those on the barbecue but also they've got other ones that you can just cook in your cottage wonderful um, i mean they even do tapenade with their own olives which is really punchy (sighs) Mm. and delicious um and you can order really lovely feta cheese that's made just down the road that's really um mild and quite kind of creamy and uh, I I tried a dish called chicken serepa which is an Ithacan dish a kind of chicken casserole made with chicken tomato garlic and feta Um, and also Kate's partner Naki is a really good baker and um, he'd made this really lovely lemon tart that was really gooey and zingy (laughs) Um, so and then um, they also have a little coffee shop which they open in the morning so you can go down and get a really good coffee and a smoothie or a breakfast bowl or a waffle oh lovely Um, is that on site? and that's on site um, and they, they operate it so that it's a bit like a reception so if you want to they have all these things you can borrow like Sun Hat and jelly oh, shoes lovely. and um, mountain bikes, everything, and so you go and you have your coffee and you chat through what you might need for
4: that day so you can go on lots of excursions, so they help you set that up
0: yes, like? they can I mean they actually come every guest staying there gets the use of a car and right. um, uh, you, you, it is, Ithaca is big enough that you do it helps to have a car to get to their nicest beaches and things um, yeah, so
4: what's the rest of the island like is it um, um, unspoilt beaches and, it is yeah, heavenly so, yeah. I, mean,
0: I was there in June so it was quiet but right. um, I'm sure it's reasonably quiet most times uh, it's shaped like a kind of slightly mangled hourglass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lavendus is in the north. And there was so much to see in the north that I didn't really get to the south, so I definitely want to go back. Um, but the north, yeah, it's lovely. Lots of those beaches are stunning, kind of uzo clear water and often a really brilliant, dazzling turquoise um, and deserted. Um, and then there's a little monastery you can visit. There are olive and orange groves. And I found myself walking along these lovely pathways, Um, the Ionian islands are known for being quite green compared to other Greek islands. And so these beautiful cypress trees and olive trees and just tiny little paths leading down to these beaches with no one on them. It was... um, gorgeous yeah
4: well, i did see some photos on your instagram and on olive magazine's instagram um and also there's some lovely places to eat by the look of those photos as yes well.
0: really nice kind of simple again um every guest at lavenders gets a copy of Mel's very carefully put together list of local restaurant and grocery oh, that's shopping all you need isn't it and yeah. that's what you need it's a really good start actually um Their closest village is called Stavros, which has a little greengrocers and fishmongers and butchers. Um, But it's also home to this amazing general store that is apparently the last small family owned grocery on the island. Wow. It's been operating since 1930. And it still has these big old wooden cabinets running all the way around the walls. And it's totally crammed. I mean, there's stuff on the shelves, on the floor, everywhere. (laughs) Um, But it's full of some nice things. If you want a kind of foodie souvenir, you know, beautifully packaged bars of, greek chocolate and honey and herbs um and stavros is also home to a cafe called cafe margarita where the owner maria is a really good baker so if you want one of those classic flaky spinach cheese pies yeah it does it. place <laughs> um and she's also known for her ravani which is a cake um that's an Ithacan speciality made with ground rice and olive oil and honey Oh. and um, they serve it they they kind of cook it in a big pan and then slice it into little diamonds um, and it's yeah it's just get if you get one of the ones the slices on the edge then it's really nice okay so go, for the, <laughs> go hey, for the edge I imagine that's
4: gluten-free as well if it's made with ground rice not flour yeah I would think so I hadn't really thought of that yes yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't, t- don't take our word for it, though. No. Maybe ask before you try. Just double check. Um, and what about, like, nice little harbourside taverns? Because that's when I think of Greece. Like, excuse the cliché, but that's what I think. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was that It
0: was living the cliché, which is just what I wanted. Um, yeah. So 10 minutes' drive away, the closest harborside village is Freakies, um, which is a little postcard perfect arc of painted houses overlooking more beautiful clear water um and there's a very chic little italian cafe and pizzeria, pizzeria there called Tazzamini. i wouldn't probably recommend places that weren't greek in a greek story normally but mm. tatsamini is too good to miss okay. um it does really also you if you're self-catering you can order a pizza to take away oh, and fab. while you're waiting okay. you can have really nice aperitivos there they do one with mastica which i think is made it's a liqueur made from mastic which is a very greek thing if right. i've got that right and also honey liqueur and lemon cucumber and ginger you know really Ooh, yeah. interesting
4: sounds like medicine yes, as well it does It <laughs> yeah,
0: might might be your nice thing medicine, or not depending <laughs> um and then for something more classically greek just a few doors down is um, a taverna called odysseus and it looks a bit touristy but uh, don't be put off by that because the fish and seafood is really good and um mal also put me on to its courgette balls which Ooh, they don't sound the most exciting sound thing today um but they're really good they're little fritters gooey in the middle with grated courgette and feta and dill and oh, sheep's cheese wow. they were really good um and then the other place in the north of the island to find Tavernas is the village of Keone, just around the coast, and there are lots to choose from there, but I went to one called Mills. Oh, and I had... saw a
4: photo of that, it looked gorgeous. That, yeah. yeah, that's where I had the fish of the day,
0: and the, the vlita, the sautéed kalaloo. Um, um, so that was there.
4: Oh, yeah, that looked that looked amazing. Um, and also I spotted some ice cream in your photos. Can you talk to <laughs> us about right. ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Freak is,
0: is home to a place called Dodoni, which is a cafe and ice cream parlor that does all sorts of ice creams, coffee coffees and sundaes right by the waterside. Um, and I think Dodoni is a Greek brand. So I think it's got, uh, if you're Greek, you probably know lots of... Dodoni cafes but I hadn't been to one before um, and this was a real highlight for me I'm a big fan of frozen yogurt and the Dodoni version made with creamy Greek yogurt is addictively good Um, if I could have brought you some back I would have done
4: oh thank you (laughs) I think I'll have to set up a reading about it though won't I so that's coming out in the September issue that's um, right your intertravel travel guide to um, Ithaca Um, and also if it's about your appetite um, we have lots of photos from Rhiannon on our social media platforms and if you just search for the hashtag um olive eats Ithaca um, that's I-T-H-A-C-A you'll see lots there to yeah to get you um to get you going and see um also if you want to have a look on olivemagazine.com we've got a great feature there as well so thanks for sharing Rhiannon. <laughs> thank,
3: thank you. you next here's Ellie and Amanda on biscuits
5: Hello, I'm here with Ellie, and we're here to talk about our tea rituals. This week in the Olive um, office, we've been talking all about different biscuits and cakes that we um, eat and dunk into our tea. Um, So we thought it would be a good topic to chat about. So, Ellie.
6: So the first biscuit that we always think of is the Chocolate Digestive, which is universally popular for dipping in the tea. And if in the olive offices we don't have any of these around, <laughs> what Alex does is she gets a cube of chocolate and sandwiches it between two plain digestive biscuits to make her own version. In desperate needs of a chalky biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's quite good for dunking in the tea but you've got, to, you've got to get the balance right because you don't want to leave it in there too long because then you get all the crumbs in the yeah. tea and it just doesn't go well. Yeah.
5: And we haven't actually done a test um, of these specific biscuits. It's more just about our own chats and what we've been brought up with dunkability, what biscuits are best, and um, we like to dunk our tea. So we also did a little research to see what the best the top um, biscuits are for um, dunking your tea. And obviously, as Ellie said, the chocolate digestive was up there, but also the chocolate hobnob, the ever favourite. So um, I know that's probably my
6: um, biscuit of choice. See, I'm actually not a massive hobnob fan, which causes a lot of controversy. Yeah. I just find, like, if you're dunking it in your tea, the oats, it's just It a can bit, be a bit gritty. It's, yeah. it's got that issue, but I do... I would always choose a chocolate hobnob over a plain one because you need that chocolate fix yeah, really. Exactly. Yeah,
5: exactly. Hmm, interesting. Um, and also, what we found quite surprising was um, custard cream,
6: Yeah. classic. So custard creams are actually one of my favourite biscuits. I just love a custard cream and what I do is I'll eat the bottom biscuit first. And then I'll eat the cream and then I'll eat the top biscuit, which is a bit of a weird way to eat it, but ultimate satisfaction ultimate at the satisfaction end. and I mean it lasts longer which yeah. is always good yeah
5: exactly I do a similar thing with an Oreo actually much like the I'm sure you've all seen it the advert with the kid and the dog where yeah. I use gently part the Oreo yeah uh, take it apart and lick and eat the middle
6: and then put it back mm. together and dunk it in my tea ah see with an Oreo I just scoff it I, I just scoff <laughs> it all yeah I don't I feel like I don't have the patience to do that ah. with an Oreo I just eat it all ah But, and also, what was that there too,
5: is uh, the ever-topical
6: Jaffa cake. Yes, another personal favourite of mine. But, so the way I eat a Jaffa cake is I'll eat the flat bit of it first, and then I'll eat the chocolate, and then I'll eat the sponge, and then I'll eat the jelly, which is a really, again, another Mm. odd way to eat it. Um, But obviously, with a Jaffa cake, there's the controversy of is it a cake is it that a biscuit is true well you don't get the crunch that you do with a biscuit it's just kind of like soft. yeah which would i guess mean it's a cake and the I fact it's it, called a jaffa cake that might be an ind- <laughs> and also with a jaffa cake i wouldn't dip it in my tea that's like i'd have my cup of tea i'd have my jaffa cake but i wouldn't mix the there's two no dunking get, no, going on there there's no yeah so dunkability wise it's not, not happening. it's not high up there no ah
5: well, do you know what, as well, when, we were, when I was younger, my brother used to also have this thing with jaffa cakes, so he used to eat it similar to yours, but he would also oh. dunk
6: it in his tea, Oh, I found... I have a bit of a weird thing, I feel that? like the jelly and yeah. the tea, that's a bit of a weird yeah. we mix. I know. So also up there was the shortbread, shortbread. which is obviously a classic. Um, I feel like sometimes the shortbread gets overlooked yeah. on the biscuit scale, but you know it's very rich, buttery. It's what everyone really wants from a biscuit, and I, I suppose think. it is quite probably got good some good dunkability it's there as good well. Dunkability, yeah. But again, holds itself well together. It is once you've bitten into it. It's it's a bit crumbly, isn't it? Yeah, so you've oh, got that's to be, true. You've got really to be careful, careful about how long yeah. you leave it in the tea for.
5: My mum used to be... when it, She didn't use it with shortbreads, but with rich teas, which, oh. in my opinion, are probably up with one of the most boring biscuits yeah. going. Yeah, I feel <laughs> Not like... Not much taste have a, there. If you're like, mm. have a
6: biscuit, you may as well just <laughs> yeah. go for it. She,
5: had, she always... So we used to play a competition in my family, me and my brother, more who could hold it the longest without it. <laughs> without it falling, um, yeah. But my mum would always lose and it would always be the rich tea, and she'd have this so, then have this soggy tea that yeah. she would still
6: drink, and she'd drink it even with the yeah, biscuit it's in so there. Yeah, so wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So another kind of jaffa cake. Is it a cake? Is it a biscuit? Is the Tunnock's Tea Cake? Oh, yeah, Which uh, which are great. And when it comes to a Tunnock's Tea Cake, I don't do any weird things this time. I just bite into it and just have it all at One once. go, yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: We've had, we chatted about that in the office, actually, and it seemed like a lot of people did the same thing. A lot of, yeah. There's just, quite a lot of elements. There's to a them. lot of elements Yeah, I feel like
6: to deconstruct that, it's just... Too much effort. It's just too much, and it's quite messy. You've yeah. just got to... yeah. Just got to go for it. And
5: on the Tonics family, actually, is the caramel bars. Oh, yeah, I used yeah. to get them all the time at my nans. Yes. they would always be a classic, and uh, in her um, cupboard that we'd mm. go to.
6: See, when I went, when I was little, I'd always go around to my nans and. It would be a pink wafer. And so pink wafers are still up there. Yeah. If the pink wafer is a pink out, wafer. I'll always choose it. But it seems like one of those biscuits that people are always a bit hesitant of. People would feel like people don't always go for yeah. a pink wafer. But, you know, there's and a lot going for it. I feel like they might be it. dying
5: out a bit because I think we all associate them with our grandparents, Well, I know, we? but I think we might have to revive that. I think we do. Revive that trend. Mm. Well, apparently, um, from doing some Ellie and I doing a bit of research, the perfect technique with dunking your biscuit is to dunk half. Yeah. Leave it for as long as you see. You can handle it. <laughs> long <laughs> yeah. How long you can... Without it dropping. With the... And then sucking it or eating it, depending on how soggy the biscuit is. And yeah. then drink. And then with the other half, quarter it. Yeah. So you're hot. Really dangle it in there now. <laughs> really keep it going. And then same again. Suck it or eat it. And then again, without touching the tea, trying to really get the last bit of it I mean, in. Get that in. That's, yeah.
6: I mean, that is quite a stressful situation I think so you've got to be got to be pretty brave I know. to try that if um, you're really feeling yeah but I feel like it's always good to have a few spare biscuits on hand so if it goes wrong you know yeah you can just enjoy your biscuit
5: and um, if
6: you can be bothered to go make another tea you need some probably some spare tea on hand too yeah, yeah. good idea <laughs>
5: um, so yeah that's about it then We've, we'd love to hear about your um,
6: favourite biscuits yeah. and how you eat yours if you've got any funny rituals like the Jaffa cake then yeah let us know yeah
5: tweet us or Instagram us whatever you like to get to um, Um, Yeah, thanks for listening.
3: And lastly, here's Janine and Adam on cooking low and slow.
2: Okay, so um, this month in Olive, we've got a bit of a barbecue special happening. And one of the great features in the magazine is um, from our writer Adam, who's here with me today. Hi, Hello. Adam. And it's all about low and slow barbecuing, um, kind of American style barbecue, would you say?
1: Yeah, I think it is much uh, more popular or well-known in America, of, yeah. like the low and slow, you know, like the big whole hog or like I've done brisket. It's kind of different to how... Like they would call our barbecue grilling, because right. you are effectively like as in like you're grilling in the oven. It's like really hot, direct heat, straight yeah. down. Or
2: incinerating eat, in some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> M-
1: probably much more closer to to that. But you know, like we would put a whole bed of coals all underneath our yep. grill, then cook all our stuff at like you know at- five hundred degrees direct temperature.
2: <laughs> which is which is why. For, for a lot of people that when you barbecue you literally get that incinerated chicken on the outside and raw chicken in the inside yeah and yeah everyone yeah. gets starving and yeah. yeah gives up
1: yeah but basically <laughs> I, I, but i think it's it's more of a case of patience yeah with in america they like you know they, they'll set it up in the morning or do it overnight even yeah. and cook something and tend to it all night whereas we want you know we buy these like quick Burn bags you just light yeah. the bag it goes up it's like really quick really hot and then you can have your burgers and sausages ready and but then even that most people <clears> would <will throat> joke about it still is massively late and takes ages anyway but
2: but don't you need sort of specialist equipment for the low and
1: slow i mean a- isn't absolutely it- absolutely no? not no okay. if you've got a coal barbecue then you can you basically just use it like indirect heat so if you bank all your coals over to one side and yeah. then put your whatever your piece of meat is like uh, over the other side you're basically creating an oven so with okay. like a heat source in the corner so it's just pushing heat around in like with a lid on the barbecue so
2: basically what you need is a barbecue with a lid yeah yeah, and, yeah. and preferably a lid where there's enough um, air space yeah. for the air to move around and yeah, create yeah, that yeah. oven thing you're, you're getting your coals up to up to temperature yeah. but then what you're doing is you're pushing it you're pushing them to one side yeah. so your meat isn't sitting directly on top yeah, of yeah. the coals Completely right. yeah yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, uh, you call that indirect? Indirect, Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, indirect, okay. yeah, And So you can do that with charcoal and and yeah, if, I, I guess mean, if you've got gas, it's easier to I, control that anyway. Yeah, yeah, I
1: do that on my gas. So I've got uh, three burners and I just uh, have either one, yeah, I just have one over one on on the left to then yep. put my meat over on the right-hand side. And uh, luckily, I think most barbecues now luckily come with a temperature gauge in the, in yeah. the top so you can pretty much gauge and the needle's right at the top so it's at the the top of the oven it's not near the heat source and that's a pretty good gauge of what sort of temperature it is is once Mm -hmm. you've got the lid closed so... So I mean, let's
2: talk about time because you said it takes time. I mean, how long? I'm looking at this recipe. So it's, you've got, it says 10 hours, Adam. Come on. It,
1: but that that <laughs> is the fact of it. it. I mean, it does take time. There's no <laughs> okay. rushing it. Um, so we're talking
2: it's an all day. You've it's an all day, yeah. You've got to get up early.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, like, the, the earlier, the better, really, yeah. I think. Um, because it does, these cups of meat need long. Slow cooking. It's a, wee,
2: it's a little weekend project, right? Yeah, definitely,
1: yeah. definitely. You have to, you have to involve yourself completely. You can't half, uh, half do it.
2: So you've got a burly. You've got your coals to temp. You push them aside. You have got your meat on, and then what, what are you doing? You, is it all just about maintaining the temperature then?
1: Yeah, a nice even temperature is is what you're looking for, really. Right. Because um, if it's jumping around massively, then that's it's sort of harder to gauge where your yeah. meat is at and how it's cooking. Mm. Um, so yeah, keeping a nice, I think I 150 um, is what I said for my. So you I could can my control brisha.
2: that with gas, but with coals, is that just a case of adding a little bit at a time? Just yeah, to keep I mean, it going? just
1: just putting a, like a little handful onto like the hottest part. Yeah just to keep it ticking over um, I'd even suggest getting a really good qu- pair of barbecue gloves and then right. if it is dropping you can whip the grill off yeah and actually just put like you know make a fresh bed of coal for it
2: right okay because
1: you know sometimes that does happen
2: yeah i mean you don't have to be standing over it though do you oh, absolutely not
1: whenever i do it i usually have a few friends around we just sit around and either watch tv or you know sit in the sun and play frisbee and just chill out and you know have a few <laughs> sounds beers. sounds idyllic yes yeah, on this rainy wednesday <laughs> in london yeah it does sound pretty good
2: yeah so as far as temperature goes you're, you're keeping it going and but you're not you're not cooking it completely exposed for the 10 hours are you i think once you get to a certain point you're then
1: basically I would say what I do with my whiskey about four hours yeah. is about as if, if you're using smoking chips like what basically I'd, yeah I'd be using oh so you,
2: you use the smoking chips up front <laughs> how do you use them just so people know so I would um,
1: buy just some oak barrel or whiskey chips or anything like that you can get them at most barbecue shops yeah I think you can soak, them, like in, soak them in water and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, can't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah I think Weber like the big brand that do yeah. them that you can get like Jack Daniels ones from old Jack Daniels right. barrels you know <laughs> nice
2: um,
1: yeah soak them in water mm-hmm is that just lets them have a slow smoulder as yeah. opposed to catch a light and burn. And then you get, when they're wet, you get the most out of the smoke. Yeah. So you get them, yeah, the most smoke for the for the money. Sure. So just um, soak them in water. I use like a washing up bowl. And um, then just put handful handfuls every sort of half an hour to an hour yeah. on. Shut the lid and it will just keep smoke gently circulating. Not yeah. really aggressively, but just gently circulating.
2: So you go, So then once you've <clears> done your four hours like that, then you kind of stop the smoke getting to it by covering it in foil yeah, wrap it up.
1: and it's just it and then it keeps of,
2: the juices in a bit yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You, yeah. so
1: it's okay. basically it, American barbecue is about one thing bark what they call yeah. bark which is like the outer crispy dark shell yeah and the way that I think you can get that is through first the rub oh yeah because you've got
2: a really nice little spice rub that you um you put on overnight don't you it was like sea salt brown sugar pepper paprika cumin all those gorgeous kind of smoky barbecue flavors anyway so that goes on pre-barbecue leave that overnight and it does it make like a crust on it yeah so
1: basically what you're doing is curing the outside of the out of the meat so you're drawing the moisture out um a bit like when you have if you ever make your own smoked salmon and you, and you cut the end off and it's really cured and sort of like yeah, right. um, tacky and dry, yeah. it's like that but on the outside of the meat. And then once the smoke and the heat penetrate that, it gets, I don't know, it sort of caramelises in a completely different way that a normal just like moisture-filled meat would. Yeah. So you get that really dark... Um, Bark, and then you sort of build it up in the first four hours, and then actually after that, you're really thinking about the internal meat and how much how juicy you want it to be.
2: So you kind of want to protect it with the foil, and then finish just finish cooking it. Yeah. And then you do say, and I mean, I've I've got one as well. I have to say, it's changed the way I cook. I use um, a a meat thermometer. Yeah. Yeah, Like an instant read, so you just it's like digital. You stick it in, gives you the temperature. Yeah. I don't I don't go by hymans anymore no. because um, i just try and get it to a certain temperature yeah i mean
1: that's and that's what you're working to i mean it depends on you know the cup that you're using and mm. like how like there's so many different factors that can affect the time yeah. and um and it's basically just gives you an insight into how the inside of the meat is cooking i mean mm. um take the tomahawk steak that also from this uh yeah. one of the barbecue features that i wrote for uh this month I mean, you can squeeze it and do the sort of hand, you know, different um, test of how yeah. done it is, like guessing. Um, but really, you only know until you put a thermometer in and It tells you, yeah. you know that from 50 to 60 is rare. And then above is like, you know, so when you see that it's 45. And I mean, it
2: seems really techie. I resisted one for ages because I think a lot of cooks are a bit like, oh, well, I know how to roast a bit of meat. And I do. And I do sometimes, you know, when I'm on the hoof or I'm cooking at somebody else's kitchen, like it's different. But I've actually found it just so useful. And like most of the time I found that I was, as a rule, if I use timings and kilograms, I was kind of slightly overcooking stuff. Not, yeah, not to the yeah. point where it was inedible. Just, yeah. you know, just, I, it, it just gives you that permission to pull stuff out of the oven oh, a little absolutely. bit I earlier.
1: Mean, I mean, you can get it, r- like, you know, pretty good or, you know, close or I'll, next time I'll do it. Yeah. When you have the meat thermometer, you can nail it. You yeah. can literally get it to exactly where you want it to be.
2: So when this meat comes out, I mean, the, the good thing about... It, I think this one serves eight, but you could get... We've got two kilos of brisket here. This is what's really lovely about it. Like, you've got this... Um, on the picture, this gorgeous kind of dark brown, like sort of, well, like you you said, it's bark, um, contrasting with a really pink, moist meat inside. I mean, it looks so completely juicy Mm. and just serve that up with um, coleslaw and pickles. So even if, you know, you have spent all day pottering around it, drinking beer, playing frisbee. Yeah. It's actually a brilliant thing then to put on on the table and like so impressive to all of your mates. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, it's, it's, a, it's a showstopper. I think, And yeah. <laughs> the best thing for me is often the leftovers. Is yeah. the little, um, what um, the Americans call burnt ends, which is like the really gnarly little corner oh, bits. Oh, yeah, the
2: little cr- like yeah. crispy. They're really, yeah. <laughs> really,
1: basically like really intensely yeah. caramelised, really smoky. And they're the best bits. They're the best you know you throw into a i make pit beans oh yeah i
2: saw that you did a pit beans on instagram so how do you do that
1: so it's just it's it's basically just sweat a bit of uh, bacon with some green peppers and onions garlic um a bit of paprika yeah and chopped tomatoes as many different beans as i've got in the house whatever kidney black so you can just use tin beans yeah Yeah. straight in yeah um and then all the little off off cuts and trimmings of meat and then just simmer that for as long as i can wait till i um get hungry and then finish it with a little bit of cider vinegar and a little bit of sugar to so get that sort of American barbecue sauce sort of vibe. So it gives <laughs> it that, that really lovely sour. smoky, smoky yeah.
2: thing. I love that. So you get leftovers too. Oh yeah, Absolute they're the best They're
1: almost the whole reason why I do it. <laughs> I'm not even, like, the slice, obviously the slice, fresh so off the it barbecue. It's a bit like Christmas
2: dinner, isn't it? Like, the reason you do it is because you you really want that turkey and stuffed yeah. and sandwich on Fox, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, it's a nice, all space. pain's worth it. Yeah, no one's stressed anymore, no. it's done, you and you're just it. making the most of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
1: you enjoy it so much more, you're not worried about it, you know it's cooked, it's perfect. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, cheers for that, Adam. Like, I urge you to go and get our July issue. It honestly is a stunken recipe. And also we've got tons more barbecue recipes online too. So go to OliveMagazine.com, check it out. Thanks yeah. a lot, Adam. Hi
3: thanks to everyone who took part in today's podcast and thank you for listening if you liked what you heard and why wouldn't you please can you take the time to review and rate us on itunes so lots more lovely listeners like you get to hear us and don't forget to buy the latest issue of olive magazine in all good supermarkets and newsagents right now or you can download it via our app plus there's loads more content added by the team every single day at olivemagazine.com aka get involved get cooking get eating get traveling and we'll see you next week